You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Good afternoon and welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. John Bates, CEO and founder of Executive Speaking Success, is our guest in the studio today. This business talk show airs live on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 4 p.m. and Thursdays at our special time of 3 p.m. All of our shows can be heard exclusively and live on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. If you're listening to this show as a podcast, we encourage you to listen live during our broadcast times. This show is brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and our newest sponsor, Center Club of Costa Mesa. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. We have two guests today, and so our first guest, as I said, is John Bates, CEO and founder of Executive Speaking Success. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. Great to be here. Let's talk a little bit about you and your background. Give us a sense for your professional experience kind of up to this point, would you, John? I sure would. Thank you. So, uh... You know, I, I'll start <laughs> in the middle. I ran away with my rock band when I was 20 right. from Los Angeles, and or from Salt Lake City, and came to Los Angeles, Okay, at which, you know, at the time, my father thought that was the dumbest idea ever, I could and see a that. lot of other people. Right. But here's what happened. Well, I dropped out of college to do that when I came back to college in 1987 at UCLA. I got a job at the first ever Macintosh lab that was connected to the internet. Wow. So the internet had happened in that intervening couple of years. <laughs> that I was, you know, dancing around with a microphone that had a cord back uh-huh. in the day. And uh, I didn't ever really like computers, but my friend showed me how to use a Mac in about 10 minutes. I went across the hall and got the job, and then I discovered the Internet. And at that point, I started to care about computers because I just freaked out for the Internet. So it's 1987, 1988. I'm running around telling everybody this is like standing up and freeing our thumbs. Uh And it's like inventing fire. I mean, this is going to change everything. (laughs) No one wanted to talk to me. I was the least interesting person anybody ever met talking about that stuff. Okay. Until about 1994 when things started to kind of heat up in the public's eye. Uh-huh. And I got a job at a dot-com company, which was the first ever entertainment site in the dot-com domain ever, wow. called Virtual Vegas. It was a, you know, not real gambling, but it was just this gambling-style, you know, virtual place. And wow. people went crazy. Uh-huh. And the interesting thing is that I had an illustrious career in public speaking in high school. Then I sang in a band. And when I got this job at Virtual Vegas... Everybody wanted to talk to us. So CNN came by and all the news channels came by. Okay, and so all your previous experience pays off. Paid then. off. So right. I ended up being the guy who did all the, the speaking for that company. I was the face of Virtual Vegas for several years, traveling all over the world, being on international television all the time. And uh, then that's kind of what people hired me to do after that. I, I, no matter what my... I've always been an early stage entrepreneur. Okay. I've always ended up being the chief evangelist. Okay. So... That's exciting. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it is. It is a lot of fun. Yeah. And you were right about the internet, by the way. Yeah, right? I kind of was, wasn't I? <laughs> you have that going for you. All right. So let's talk about your firm then. I have you as expect, executive speaking success. What is and why is it different? What do you do with the... What, what do clients get when they hire you? So what clients get when they hire me is much more effectiveness in all of their communication. So essentially, when clients hire me, they get much more of what they want. You know, I'll tell you real quickly my why. Please. So there's this guy named Simon Sinek. Sinek, I guess is actually how you pronounce it, but he's right. anything but a cynic. Right. And he says, start with why. So right. my why is to bring out what's awesome inside every person. So it can live in the world and make a difference. So I've watched a lot of people, particularly engineers and scientists, struggle with having a great idea, but not being able to communicate it nearly as well as it deserved. Right. So I created my company and I created my coaching around human evolutionary biology and human neurophysiology so I could tell people not only what to do, but okay. why it works. So they understand it. So they understand Because scientists, engineers, engineers you know. They, yeah. But here's the thing. Everybody likes to know why. Right. Right? Especially about themselves. Yeah, exactly. So when you show people how their brains work and uh-huh. how other people's brains work... Once you look at it, you start to realize evolution has given you some amazing communication tools. You know, we were 
we, we just, that's what we do. We're really good at communicating. And if you know about those tools that you've been set up with through evolution, uh-huh. you can be much more effective in any setting from one to a thousand to more. So how did you first get involved with these disciplines? You know, um, I blame it mostly on Joni Babalus because she was the cutest girl in junior high school. And when she decided that in high school she was going to take forensics, my buddy Jeff Curris and I decided uh-huh. we were too. <laughs> Turns out forensics is public Who speaking, knew? debate, you know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I was just like, she's taking it? Yeah, yeah let's go. Uh, yeah. What <laughs> a great forensics? way to spend an hour. Uh, I'll just stare at her. So, <laughs> creep her out a little bit, but okay. It, it was one of the places I learned one of my biggest, best lessons very early, early. Uh-huh. We had a coach at East High School in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I grew up, who was internationally top-ranked coach in public speaking and debate wow. and all that. Yeah, wow. totally. At the high school I, level. At the high school level. And I just lucked out to have him at East High School when I was there. And I loved him because he was crazy and he was young and he was fun and he'd throw staplers at you if you messed up. And, I mean, he was wacko and awesome and right. brilliant. and. Unique, it sounds Unique, like. right. yes, he was unique. And uh, and I just loved that guy. And he loved us. He loved all of us. He would, If you would stay and work on it, he would stay and work uh-huh. on it. You know? And so here's what I learned. When you find a good coach, uh-huh. be coachable. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. It was really great because there's nothing special about me. I'm, I wasn't born a great communicator. Okay. I was, you know, shy and nervous just like everybody else. But when I did what he said, I won. I won almost every contest I ever entered in high school because I was so coachable. Right. It wasn't because I was brilliant. I wasn't. I was just really coachable. Right. And that's a great quality, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's an amazing quality. It's what yeah. makes Tiger Woods, you know. Uh, you read my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because some of the greatest athletes are still being coached at a very deep and subtle level. And they're still getting coaching. Yeah. So how can how how can the rest of us not benefit yeah. if we're open to the idea? Exactly. Uh, you know, I do CEO peer groups, which yes. are mastermind groups for yeah. business owners. It's amazing to me over the years that I've been doing this, sometimes when I encounter people who don't understand how getting around their peers could actually help them. Yeah. How, you know, they're, they're so shut down to other people's points of view that if you're not right in my business, if you don't walk in my shoes, how could you possibly give me any advice that I could use? You know, there's a great point for speakers in what you just said. I'm going to sideways leap. Perfect. Because when I work with people and do a lot of pitch coaching work, and I tell people one of the most powerful things you can do is use good metaphors and similes. But here's the thing. Don't use a metaphor from your own industry. You know, Mm. don't say, uh, you know, we're the Volkswagen of whatever if you're a car company. Don't do that. Go totally outside your realm and find a simile or a metaphor that's outside of your realm. Uh So, you know, don't say we're the this and that of of, uh, electronics if that's your field. Say we're we're like the McDonald's of electronics Mm -hmm. or whatever. Go far afield. And it's the same thing, I think, with coaching and with peer groups. Sometimes the person who's in your space doesn't have the perspective someone outside would have and and that outside perspective makes the difference right because you, you already know what you know right and and those in your industry know similar things we have we have about a minute left before our first break and i'm talking with john batesy ceo and founder of executive speaking success you know so many corporations spend millions of dollars on breakthrough thinking and out-of-the-box ideas and it's sometimes no more difficult than having an honest conversation with somebody who does nothing about what you do yeah. and asks questions that you've stopped even asking anymore. I think you're totally right. right. Well, this is great. I look forward to having you on the show. And I, I see in the with the 30 seconds that we have left, uh, you're wearing a belt and something tucked in that belt. What is that? You know, this is one of those uh, Arabian knives. Nice. And I just you're the now first that you one to come me, in the studio with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a little nervous yeah. here now. It was a gift from TEDx Dais in Yemen. Wow! So and you spoke. And I spoke. I, I coached some of the speakers there, and okay. I spoke at the event as well. All right. We're going to talk about your coaching people who speak at TED and TEDx events. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to be back in three short minutes with John Bates, CEO and founder of Executive Speaking Success. After these words from our sponsors. 
Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. When it comes to safety and stability, CBC has one of the highest levels of capital of any commercial bank ranked in the top 6% in the nation. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes, Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willey of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short, we are bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs, for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.combancal.com. Member FDIC. Can we talk about your family business? You know, that thing you put your whole life's blood, sweat, and tears into? Well, what happens when you retire or try and pass that business on to your children? At Succession Strategies, we can help you find the answers. We'll guide you through the unsettling process of protecting your family legacy and successfully passing your business on to the next generation, safely and securely ensuring that it'll both survive and thrive for generations to come. So ask yourself just one question. Can I really afford to wait? Take the first step. Take our complimentary self-assessment at SuccessionStrategies.com or call us at 714-560-9022 to set up a free consultation at your convenience. That's Succession-Strategies.com. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. John Bates, CEO and founder of Executive Speaking Success, is our guest. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our show as a podcast. You've downloaded over 12,000 shows during the last 30 days. And we at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows can be heard live on Internet radio station octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from Apple iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, and other business-oriented podcasting services. Uh, during the break, John, we were talking a little bit about your recent travel. You mentioned uh, Yemen when you, uh, I was asking you about what's in your belt there. You spoke at a TED conference, TEDx conference in Yemen. What was that experience like? I mean, that experience is in some ways beyond words. It was phenomenal. Okay. We, you know, yes, it was dangerous. Yes, we said Yemen. Yes, there are drone strikes there. I mean, I brought back newspapers from the English-speaking newspapers from the capital city uh-huh. just because every single day there was yet another bomb that went off or drone thing or something. I mean, every day we were there. And here's the thing. The people there are lovely. They don't want these people there either. Right. They're, they just don't have control of the country the way that they wish they did. And they kept saying, we're going to get this under control when we do. Please come back. They live on tourism and they're wonderful. And it's an unbelievable country of just contrasts and beauty. Okay. And we didn't get to see much of it because we were in the really nice hotel or we were in the armored car the whole time. But we did get to see some of it. And the people were so, I mean, if people would go to facebook.com forward slash 
TEDx Dies and just leave a comment there and How say. How do you spell that? It's just TEDx, T E D X T A I Z. T A I Z. Okay. If you go there and you just say anything like, we know you're there, we love you, you know, we're pulling for you, right. I would mean so much to them. Right. Thank you for doing that. And that's a part of the power of TED and the TEDx, right? Yeah. Ideas worth sharing. I mean, they're spreading. I mean, there's just, it, to go into an environment like that and have people who are thirsting for creative ideas and out of the box thinking yes. is powerful. It was really powerful. Let's, let's talk about your business. How does your firm use human evolutionary biology and human neurophysiology to help your clients in their business? Well, you know, what we do is we train people on the benefits that evolution has given us as communicators. And, you know, I could give you an example of, say, one of those if you want. Sure. So here's the so I'm going to give you a different take on storytelling. Everybody talks about storytelling all the time. Yeah. You got to do storytelling. People make that face. They're like, oh, so here's the thing. If you do it well, it's good. Right. Well, and you have what it takes genetically. I do. To be a great storyteller. Just got to practice a little bit. Because how did we, as human beings, transfer all of our information, how to make beer, how to build the pyramids, how to build cathedrals and temples and cities and and agriculture? How did we spread that information to each other before the printing press? You know, people say oral tradition. Yes. Well, okay, but it wasn't just big, long lists of stuff that we told each other. (laughs) You know, you don't remember lists of stuff. That's why a telephone number has maximum seven to ten digits. Uh Because that's all we remember. So big, long lists don't work. Everything was in the guise of a story. Okay. And that's how we remembered all these very complex things and very complex ideas before we could write them down. Now, if you don't use that, when you're presenting, you're making a mistake, not just of epic proportions, but of evolutionary proportions. You're blowing one of the huge tools evolution has handed you. About how our brains work. Okay. So that's one thing. And, you know, another, because you're still giving me those raised eyebrow looks. So one other angle on that is that, yes, we are taught that stories are not facts and figures. You know, don't, like, if it's just an anecdote, right? You don't have the data to back that up and everything. Okay, so don't fall for that. But if you don't use that. All our brains care about are stories. You tell me a bunch of bunch of facts and figures. I, it, my brain fundamentally does not care enough to actually take action because it's the emotional part of my brain mm. that takes action. Okay. If we're not connected emotionally through some kind of story, some kind of bond, then I won't take action. Right. So when you coach a client on how to be a good storyteller, we have CEOs of middle market companies. They're addressing their employees all the time. What's what's a high-level, quick-hit idea that you can give to them to help them to be a better speaker? Because I think CEOs of middle market companies should be communicating all the time with their You're employees. You're right. Totally agree. I'll, I'll give you two, two pieces. The first one, one great storytelling tip, start in the middle. Don't start at the beginning and then go through to the end. That's how it happened. We're all used to living that way. That's boring. <laughs> Okay. Start in the middle, someplace where it's kind of exciting. All right. You know, and then... So um, what, do you just forget the front part? Don't... No, no, no. Start in the middle. Okay. Get set the scene. Okay. You know, kind of like Suck I did. Yeah. I am I'm ran away from home with my rock band. Right. That's an exciting middle something. It's, I didn't say, well, I was born in Salt Lake City, Utah, because right. I wasn't. But anyway. Okay. Start in the middle. Get get through the exciting stuff so, so people all of a sudden are caught up with you and interested. Then say, well, now, let me roll it back. Tell you how this all started. Oh, Boom, yeah. Right? Okay. Then catch up to the middle and then tell me that really amazing thing that you got out of it that I could take away. Hmm. That's the other big key. Okay. When you tell stories, make the audience the hero, not you. Okay. You're Obi-Wan Kenobi, not Luke Skywalker. (laughs) How about Yoda? Can I be Yoda? Please be Yoda. Yoda. (laughs) Please be Yoda. Yes, you are Yoda. Okay. So, uh, you know, so... So start in the middle to make your stories more interesting and grab people right at the beginning. Right. And then make them the hero. Find a way to make them the hero. Because people don't want to hang out with somebody who always knows better than they do. Right. But they love to learn from someone who's willing to share a tool that could make them better. Right. It's easier to repeat what you've learned if you were told it in a story. That's for sure. So employees go home and they say, what happened today at work, honey? 
you can retell the story that yeah. the CEO told you about his or her most recent visit to a major customer or something. Yes. Then, oh, we went over the income statement and the balance sheet. And, exactly. Right? You're totally right. I mean, and, and the lesson gets learned much better when they have a story to go with it. There's right. a great saying, never make a point without a story and never tell a story without a point. Hmm. If you applied that all the time, man, you'd have people that would be getting your point. That's for sure. So what is it about what you do that you enjoy so much? I get to make a difference for all kinds of people who are giving their lives to something really big. And that is thrilling and phenomenal for me. I love that. It's amazing to me how misunderstood, how important communications within a company is. If you looked at it as a process, right? Dialogue mm-hmm. as a process. Yeah. It's the most common process in a business. Yeah. And every employee has to do the process. Yeah. So if you can improve communications within a company, you've just improved the most basic element of what the company is, right? Yeah, absolutely, you have. Yeah. You're, you're totally right. And and a good leader who who is a good communicator and fosters good communications, I think, is m- easier to follow. Because they're more transparent, right? Far more. Yeah. Yes. And so you got to be willing to get up in front of the group and answer questions. Yeah. Right? Yes. A lot of people don't like to answer questions because you don't know what the question's going to be. Right. I, I, I'm okay talking to you, but don't ask me anything that I didn't come here prepared to discuss. Yeah, exactly. So how do you handle that with, with your clients? Well, Being able to kind of extemporaneously just take what's given to you and answer it authentically. Yeah, it's one of the things that I do probably I do a lot of work with that. Okay. And it's something that people really are afraid of and really want help with. And you know, one of the biggest things and this is so obvious, but it's really really true. One of your best friends in a question and answer session, even if you are the CEO, is I don't know, I'll get back to you. Give me your email. Just say, I don't know. Cause, really? Oh, absolutely. Because here's the thing. I believe that, too. I'm just playing. Yeah, good. With yeah, you. Yeah. Right. So when you, when you try to answer a question that you don't know the answer to, you just look like a ding-dong. <laughs> but if you actually have... a liar. Have, yeah, or a liar or whatever. But if you have this the self-awareness to just say, hey, you know what? I don't know that. And I'd actually like to know that, too. I'll find out and get back to you. Okay. Boom, done. Now now you look like somebody who's aware enough of their shortcomings that they can actually deal with them instead of like they're ignoring them and pretending they don't have them. Right. Do you uh, we have about 2 minutes left. Do you watch um, current political leaders or business leaders and how they handle themselves in their skill with communicating or are you focused on your area of expertise with clients and not so much watching kind of national news figures etc i mean i i watch some uh-huh. you know i, I certainly I, I care about where we are as a country I, I, my my biggest problem is that everything's so polarizing that i just want to turn it off but then that doesn't help you know okay so you've opened the door for this question and when my engineer told me you only have two minutes left and we don't talk politics yeah. on this show it doesn't matter what your political mm-hmm. persuasion is i don't care yeah. but at the end of the day we have to at least have a discussion. We need to talk to each other. You're absolutely right. That's what's wrong with our country right now. It's not that the Democrats are in charge or the Republicans are in charge. The problem is we stopped talking to each other. And listening. And listening. We, Ab- well, absolutely. Yeah. There, there are certain buzzwords. As soon as you say them, I stop listening and I start throwing back my buzzwords back yeah. at you. And we don't go anywhere. No. I've been practicing listening a lot over the that's what's made me such a great communicator it's not that i'm really good at talking it's that i'm actually that good at listening right and that is what we need to bring to each other because if someone's talking and no one's listening nothing's happening listening has the real power it is right and uh, i was in sales for a long time and i try to help my salespeople understand the best thing you can do is ask good questions and listen to absolutely You're totally right. So if someone wants to learn about John Bates, B-A-T-E-S, CEO and founder of Executive Speaking Success, what are a couple websites that they should visit, John? Well, you know, the best one to visit is executivespeakingsuccess.com. It's the longest, you know, one of the longest URLs around. But you only have to type it once, and then it'll fill itself in. Executivespeakingsuccess.com. Now, there are two pages that don't link from the front page. Okay. One of them is some free instant coaching, and you don't even have to put in your email address. So it's executivespeakingsuccess.com forward slash TEDx 
instant because it's TEDx instant coaching. Okay. Five minute, you know, blips on different subjects that are some of the most important things that I cover with people who want to just do great communications. Doesn't have to be a TEDx. Right. And then the other one is executivespeakingsuccess.com forward slash speak like a leader. And that's my signature four-hour or day-long training that I do for companies. And, uh, you know, that's I've, I've got a secret summer special going on. Oh, wow. I will actually do that for a lot less than I normally do because I want to fill up my summer. Okay. And uh, so if people mention the show, okay, I'll give them... Okay, radio show. Yeah. If they mention your show, Rick, then I will give them a massive discount on that as long okay. as they book it in the summer. Okay. Like before the end of August, right. maybe early September. Well, if you're listening live and they do that from your website, you, just email me. You can contact email. me from the website. Okay. It's just John at Executive Speaking Success. Well, it's been a kick in the pants. I've enjoyed having you in the studio as well as your entourage that you brought along with you. Thank you for giving us your time, being a friend of the program. Oh, I understand also you brought a book. I did. Uh, we can give this away. Book. Yeah. Oh, what so is the book? This is called World Class Speaking in Action. I am one of 50 certified world-class speaking coaches who contributed to this book. Outstanding. So there's a piece about the science of speaking success that I wrote, and wow. it's a phenomenal book. I'd be happy to give you, a, you know, leave this signed copy, I'll give it my, away. Or, yeah, I'll have yeah. our producer make sure we have a way to give it away to someone in the listening audience. So be listening to Critical Mass Radio Show this week when we announce how you're going to win the book. I want to thank you again for being a friend of the program. Welcome to our business community, Critical Mass. Thank you. All right, John Bates. We'll be right back with our second guest after these commercial words. Stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Imagine what it would feel like to lose everything. Your job, your home, your family, your dignity. This has happened to thousands of the men, women, veterans, and young adults we serve at Working Wardrobes. What do we do to help? We provide career development services, life skills workshops, job skills training. We provide the perfect interview outfit, and we get clients placed in jobs. Call Working Wardrobes, 714-210-2460. Donate, volunteer, invest, hire. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.com. 
And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Our audience is made up of business owners and CEOs of middle market companies. 98% as a fact, as, as a fact, are business owners and CEOs, and they listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm would be interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio show may be the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain such a valuable exposure through their support of our program. To learn more, visit or speak with probably the best thing to do is call Rose Chamora. Yeah, that's the best thing to do at 951-515-4661. Wally Hoke is our second guest. He's the president of Optimum Leadership. Wally, welcome to the program. Thank you, Rick. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's, it's great to have you here. Let's start by asking a little bit about your background. Tell our audience a little bit about your professional experience, kind of what you've done to lead up to this moment. Well, I'm very old, so this may take the whole show if I tell you the whole background, so I'm going to make it really short. Uh, but I worked for a large company for 12 years. I learned a lot of things about what not to do. Hmm. And then I connect. Uh, I actually had a small business that failed, which uh, I would recommend to anybody because it really uh, creates maturity. And then I connected with uh, some consultants. Uh, I uh, I worked for a training company for a while, and I, I realized how much I loved it, and I kind of wormed my way into the training and consulting industry, and I connected with some guys that actually studied with Dr. W. Edwards Deming. Uh, for uh, Many people don't know who Deming is, and Deming uh, is a fellow that actually changed the world in a very, very positive way uh, by coming up with a thing called profound knowledge. So I've been studying Deming for 25 years now since I discovered him, uh-huh. if you will, in systems thinking. And so that's that's my current practice is I help I help leaders to uh, change their systems and uh, to create performance improvement. Well, let's talk about that because you're president of Optimum Leadership. What is it exactly? Uh, maybe you can build a little bit on what you just said that your firm does and why do clients hire you? What makes you different? Well, there's a couple things that make me different. One thing is that I look to help leaders to be better leaders by not controlling people, but by actually creating trust, creating uh, environments of trust, wow. and changing the context of, of where the workers are. I believe that the future, uh, the future is going, we're going to start to see more and more something called self-organizing systems and self-managed teams. That's been around for a while, but it's not really taken hold. But that is the way that we're going to be able to compete in uh, in uh, the global marketplace now, because we're we're competing with everybody from uh, you know down the street to uh, Malaysia. So why is that uh, a better? So we, we've got to start thinking about how do we change the way we think about leadership, and and the, the challenge is that we're currently teaching our kids a model that has stopped working optimally. Okay. We're, we're teaching them the wrong model. So I'm. what makes me different? I teach a different leadership model that allows people to develop this self-management and uh, self-managed teams and self-organizing systems. So in your, in your research, in your experience, why are self-managed teams better than top-down, command and control, authoritarian-based, uh, organizations. Uh, in two words, less cost. Okay. Uh, in two more words, uh, higher loyalty of customers, better customer experience. In two more words, higher profitability. In two more words, improved uh, loyalty of, um, of employees. Uh, so employee engagement. So by giving people the the tools, not just the tools. It's not and the. Empowerment, you know, we used to use this word empowerment. In fact, a lot of people still use empowerment. I think empowerment is a passe word now. Empowerment means I need something done. I'm going to give you the authority to do that thing. But self-management is the team, the individual and the team themselves realize that they have to take action without ever even letting the boss know. All they do is they come back and report on what's happening, but the boss doesn't tell them what to do. The boss doesn't empower them to do something. It's it's all about the team self-managing. That's the key, and that's the difference. That's one of the differences. 
Okay. And this is part of what you do. I'm speaking with Wally Hoke. He is president of Optimum Leadership. And we started this conversation, ladies and gentlemen, by me and him, me asking him his consulting firm, which is focused on helping CEOs and business leaders uh, of your size, middle market companies, right? Wally, those are the kind of companies that you work with. You're, you're improving their leadership skills and, and the performance of the company by bringing down this sense of, you know, sometimes I hear people talk about that as employees who think like an owner. Now, they take an ownership approach to the I business. That's a great way to uh, describe it, sure. It's a great way to describe it. But let me give you a different uh, twist. When you ask uh, the average organization uh, if they conduct uh, typical performance appraisals or something similar to it, about 80 to 90% of organizations implement the typical performance appraisal. And the typical performance appraisal is part of the old model. Right. So the other thing that makes my firm different is I help leaders to replace the typical appraisal because that's a form of control. It's an authoritative tool and it's outdated, and it's, it doesn't really work anywhere. And so that's an example of removing some – because when, when, if you're going to create a transformation in an organization to self-management and self-organization, you've got to start doing some new things, but you've got to stop doing some of the old things, and the typical appraisal is one of those things you've got to stop doing. And what, what do you replace it with? Well, you replace it uh, – uh, thanks for asking – the typical appraisal is about focusing on the person and what they did or did not do right. Right. And they uh, and by giving them a grade and based on that grade or rating, you know, you call it a rating. It's really a grade. Uh, it's the uh, same thing grades in schools. If if you get a high grade, you get more pay. If you get a lower grade, you get less pay. So it, they they normally tie pay for performance to that grade, and that's a form of control. And so you replace it with, instead of focusing on improving the individual, you have, you create partnerships where you focus on improving the quality of the, of the interactions between the individuals. Let me give you an example. Please I have a client do. who's one of the largest uh, luxury uh, car dealerships in the country, in the U.S., and their sales force closes a deal. One of their salespeople closes a deal. They hand the deal off to finance to do all the financing to finish the deal. And then finance hands it off to accounting. Well, accounting doesn't get the information from finance because the salespeople didn't give the correct information to finance. And so the customer ends up not the customer ends up with a problem with their bank, and now the customer is really angry at the company, and the salespeople are complaining mm. about how why can't accounting get this right? But the whole start of the problem started with sales. So in a, in a typical organization, what they would do is they would rate down the accounting department for not uh, following through and getting everything done for the bank uh, in order to make the customer happy. But what the but what the accounting department is doing is cleaning up the mess that sales created. Right. So you replace this rating thing with looking at what are the interactions in order to satisfy the customer, and you fix the interactions. And so now what we're what we're doing is we've got sales, we've got finance and accounting working as a team to get all of those interactions fixed. You don't need to grade people to do that. Interesting. We're speaking with Wally Hoke. He is president of Optimum Leadership. We're going to take our next commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. Uh, Wally, I know that you're an author, and the book is The Art of Leader, Three Principles for Predictable Performance. So I'm going to talk to you about your book on the other side of this commercial break. So ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with Wally Hoke after these words. Commercial Bank of California, or CBC, is a well-funded, full-service bank located in the heart of Orange County. When it comes to safety and stability, CBC has one of the highest levels of capital of any commercial bank ranked in the top 6% in the nation. Commercial Bank of California was founded in 2003 by a group of Orange County's finest entrepreneurs. To this day, our bank is governed by our founders, including General William Lyon of William Lyon Homes. 
Alex Morello of the Morello Group, and Frank Willie of Fidelity National Financial, to name a few. In short, we're a bank founded, built, and run by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Not every business in Orange County should be our customer. However, if your business is looking for a bank that can assist in finance, production, analytics, and risk management, there's no better bank to choose. To understand the true power of how Commercial Bank of California can help you achieve your goals, give us a call at 714-431-7000 or visit us on the web at www.combancal.com. Member FDIC. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www.svnonline.com. Richard Franzi is a highly sought-after keynote speaker on topics of interest to CEOs of middle firms across North America. Richard's talks include Killing Cats Leads to Rats, a fascinating look at how unintended consequences of CEOs' decisions impact their firm's performance. Your Gray Matter Matters, which explores how a CEO's mindset can differentiate a middle market firm and define its culture. Richard delivers talks to a variety of audiences, ranging from executive team retreats to keynotes in front of hundreds of CEOs. To learn more about his talks, visit criticalmassforbusiness.com and select the contact page or call 949-887-4104. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. Wally Hoke is our guest. Hauk. Hauk. Sorry about that, Wally. I uh, was corrected during the break. I have it even written down correctly, but what can I say? Uh, let's continue our conversation with your book, The Art of Leader, Three Principles for Predictable Performance. What was the inspiration for writing your book, Wally? Yeah, the inspiration was to influence leaders to change the way they think about people and problems. And uh, because I believe that we've been taught we've been taught a lot of the wrong things that just don't work anymore. And what uh, what happens is, uh, as leaders, we take action based on what we think is the right thing to do, when in fact it's based on flawed principles. And so we get bad results, and then we work harder to try to make fix it and so then we end up spending most of our time fixing problems that we actually create hmm. I wanted that to stop and I know it can stop and uh, so I, I wrote this little book so that uh, leaders would uh, look at things differently and, and focus differently uh, in order to avoid problems instead of uh, clean, cleaning them up faster <laughs> which is what we tend to do we tend to clean things up fast Right. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about the theory of? Yeah, profound knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Theory of profound knowledge is uh, really Deming's uh, theory, and what he says is, he says we've got to look at things as a system, and this is one of the things that is a huge challenge for leaders today because we're not taught that we're taught that by improving individual parts, that if everything gets better, and that's not really that's not a systems thought. So profound knowledge is about thinking in terms of systems. It's about uh, understanding what it means to have knowledge. And it's about managing variation. Instead of managing people, you manage variation. You lead people and manage variation in process. That's a very different thought. And in fact, when you, when you think about talking with, with leaders today, we still call them, we still call managers managers. Um, the the derivation of the word manager is manacle, which is handcuffs, <laughs> because uh, that's what they used to do. They used, and that comes from slavery. So the derivation of the word manager comes from the concept of slavery. And when you think about it, if you're going to manage somebody, a lot of times uh, people complain because, oh, well, he's a micromanager. 
he's always looking over my shoulder. But that's what we're expect. That's what we're telling managers to do. That's what we're teaching managers to do, because we say to them, "We'll conduct a performance appraisal on that person, and then they will improve." Well, first of all, that's inaccurate, and second of all, it damages trust. So, profound knowledge takes a whole different shift away from attempting to manage the individual parts of a system, instead manage the interactions within the system. Let me let me give you another example, Rick. Uh, imagine that you're going to buy a new car. So uh, you don't like to go to dealerships, right? Because it's kind of a pain to go to a dealership because you know you, you feel like you you know you've got to be on your guard all the time. So. Right. You know some engineers, so you do some research. You find out what the very best parts of the manufacturers, what, what are the best parts that the manufacturers make. So the, you buy the motor from Honda, you buy the chassis from uh, GMC, you get the uh, transmission from Toyota, uh, you get the electrical system from Chrysler. You put it all in a warehouse, you hire a bunch of engineers, and you have them put it together. Would it run? No. Why not? Because it's not the quality of the parts it's the quality of the interaction between the parts. And the, by trying to improve the quality of the parts, that's why Enron failed. That's one of the reasons Enron failed. We're still teaching. In fact, McKenzie is still teaching this whole idea, this uh, concept of war for talent. You've got to get the very best people, and that's how you get the very best performance. Mm. I say horse manure. Mm. It's about the quality of the interactions between the people that matter, not the quality of the people. The, the people, you have to hire quality people, but you don't try to continuously improve the individuals. They can do that themselves, but they have to do it in the context of how they work together. Wally, what do you, what, what do you say to people who, who say, in our organization, our high achievers expect the scoreboard, they, they want to know how they're doing, uh, performance reviews are important because it gives them a chance to kind of kind of be recognized for their uh, contributions to the company. So for those people that feel performance, maybe even companies who actually have a a good performance review program uh, that they feel is actually serving their needs, how, how do you address that or talk with them? I have three words. Buy my book. <laughs> That's the answer. That's exactly why I wrote the book, because we've got to get away from that. That, that type of thinking is what's holding us back. And we're still teaching that to our kids in schools. In fact, uh, this all this stems in part from a fellow by the name of Frederick Taylor. Mm-hmm. He uh, developed something called scientific management. And what he did was he used an engineer. He said, "Look, I'm going to figure out." And he, and he worked for all in the uh, 18, late 1800s, uh, early 1900s. And here he, he said to Ford, for example, he said, "Look, I'm going to figure out for all these menial tasks exactly the right way to do something." We're going to show, we're going to train your people to do that menial task exactly the way it's supposed to happen, because that's what's going to be the lowest cost. And anybody that doesn't do that, we're, we're going to fire them, or we're going to demote them, or we're going to, not going to pay them the bonuses. So the very best people that are the fastest, we're going to pay them the most, because they're going to get everything done exactly the way I'm going to tell them how to do it. Now... That model, when, when there was menial tasks, when people were not well-educated, and when, there were, uh, when they didn't speak English very well, that was a fabulous system. We don't have that anymore. In fact, that, in part, that model has driven a lot of the manufacturing jobs overseas because it's very costly to do that. Hmm. And uh, the menial tasks now are, are paid lower amounts of money. People are paid lower amounts of money. We have the knowledge economy here in the U.S., so we have complex interactions, not menial tasks anymore. Right. And we have complex tasks. We have problem solving that we have to do. We've got projects that we have to fulfill. We've got complex interactions in order to fulfill those projects. So we have all this complexity now, but we're treating our people like children. And it's got to stop, and that's why I wrote the book. So where do you um, do your work, Wally? What are you, uh, do you work across the country? Do you focus in a certain geographic area? Tell me a little bit about well, that. Well, I'm located in the Northeast, uh, in Connecticut right now, and uh, I've got clients. In fact, I'm flying to Michigan tomorrow. Uh, I've got a client... Uh, then I'm going to visit there. I've got clients in uh, Colorado and uh, really across the country. 
So, uh, but I, I do try to local, stay local if I can. Sure. Because travel today is is a bit of a challenge. So, it's not what it used to be, is it? It's not the great old days of Pan Am and you know flying there in you, you know suits and ties and having fun and glamorous. It's they're, they're, they got their hand in your pocket and every uh, you know. <laughs> do you want a mint? Do you want? Or do you want to take a breath of air? Oh, that'll be an extra dollar. <laughs> yeah, I like the commercials that used to have the the uh, bathroom with a with a coin operated uh, you know mechanism and stuff. <laughs> so if, if people want to learn more about you and your firm Optimum Leadership, how do they do that? Where do they find you online? Molly? Yeah, I encourage them to go if they like what they heard and they want to learn more. I've got a free research article called Fearless Feedback on the uh, on the website. It's wallyhauk.com, w a l l y h a u c k.com. And so I encourage them to go there, and they'll see it on the front page, and they can download it, uh, no charge. And uh, they'll get a taste of what some of this is like, and then they'll also see the book, The Art of Leading, and also uh, Stop the Leadership Malpractice, which is my other book about uh, replacing the typical performance appraisal. <laughs> that's a great title. I didn't... You like that title? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's very thought-provoking. Uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, And that's uh, that's exactly what I think it is. It's... It's malpractice, just like any other, just like any uh, medical professional. Uh-huh. Where we're using, if if they use leeches, if if you walked into the walk-in, <laughs> you know, and they said, "Look, oh, you're not feeling well. Let's, we're going to hook these leeches up to you." I'd be out of there. <laughs> uh, I think you'd run, and that's, that's run. what we ought to do away from the performance appraisal. That's what I'm recommending. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, you've been great. I've enjoyed it. You've been interesting and humorous in the same uh, span, and for that, I am thankful. Thanks for being a friend of the program and a part of our critical mass business community by virtue of being on the radio show. Thanks so much, Rick. I appreciate it. Have a good day, Wally. All right, you too. God bless. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you've enjoyed the two guests that we had on today's program. You kind of see things relative to communications and performance reviews and building an organization maybe a little bit different from our two guests. They certainly were thought-provoking in their own right. The show's been brought to you by our advertisers, Brandman University, Commercial Bank of California, Decision Toolbox, Smart Business Magazine, Succession Strategies, and Center Club of Costa Mesa. Our engineer for today's show is Paul Roberts producer is crystal nunley our guest coordinator is kathleen shepherd our marketing strategist is asia celestino melissa Padani does our social media and rose chamora of course is our vice president of sales i'd like to uh, thank you all for listening and until our next show i hope all of your decisions will move your company in a positive direction you have been listening to critical mass radio show business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi, 